The following audio is from The Springs Church. More information about The Springs Church is available at thesprings.cc. Good morning, Springs Church. Good morning to all of you in the room and to all of you tuning in on the live stream. I want to welcome you once again in the precious and powerful name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. As Ben said so eloquently last week, we don't gather here to worship God simply for ourselves. We gather to worship on behalf of one another and to worship on behalf of the world. And so this morning we praise and thank God for all the good that he has done and is doing in the world. And we cry out to God and we lament all of the strife and division and sin and racism and disease and suffering that persists in the world. And we ask for his healing. We ask for his kingdom to come and his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's our prayer this morning, church. And let's continue that worship to God on behalf of one another and the world by opening up his scriptures in Proverbs chapter 3. My child, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments, for they will provide a long and full life and well-being for you. Do not let mercy and truth leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and people. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not rely on your own understanding. Acknowledge him in all your ways and he will make your paths straight. Do not be wise in your own estimation. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. This will bring healing to your body and refreshment to your inner self. Let's pray together. Jesus Christ, you are our living hope. We praise you, the one who has borne the weight of the world's sin and shame and sorrow and who has conquered the grave. You are the reason we are here. It is in you that we live and move and have our being, and it's in you that we find salvation alone. Lord, bless us this morning with the illumination of your Holy Spirit, and I ask you for the gift of preaching. It's in your name we pray, Lord Jesus. Amen. Now, the serpent was more crafty than any other wild animal that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God say you shall not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the middle of the garden, nor shall you touch it or you shall die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, 
she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made loincloths for themselves. God gave Adam and Eve one prohibition. Don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. One prohibition, one rule. You can eat from all the other trees. There's lots of great trees in this garden I've given you. Don't eat from the one tree of the knowledge of the good and evil. Why did they do it? Well, obviously, Eve was deceived, and that's a huge, huge part of it. That's vital. We can't ignore that. But this morning, I want to look at what Eve looks at. In verse 6, when she sees the tree, it says that she saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise. So she took of its fruit and ate. There is a wisdom that leads to death. It is a wisdom that begins in humankind without God. It is a a wisdom of disobeying God, of trying to make ourselves, as the serpent says, like God, founded solely upon ourselves. There is a wisdom of our own self-sufficiency that leads to folly and death. But that's what Proverbs wants to save us from. The world of Proverbs is a world that sprang from Eden. And so in the world of Proverbs, we have a choice every day to choose wisdom and life or to choose folly and death, to make the choice that Adam and Eve made to continue on that path or to choose trust in God and his wisdom to choose in childlike trust. And so that's why Solomon in verses one and two of chapter three says, my child, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments, for they will provide a long and full life and well-being for you. Unlike the way of death, the way of life is listening to the Lord. The way of life begins in this posture of the fear of the Lord. It begins in this simple childlike trust in God and his word. That's why he says, my son, my child, we're addressed as children because that's the way to wisdom. In a sense, Proverbs kind of calls us back to the innocence of Eden. It's not the same. We know that we can't go back to the way it was before the fall, but it kind of calls us to this second innocence. Proverbs calls us to start with the posture of a humble child. Just as Jesus famously says in Luke chapter 18, remember he says, let the little children come to me and do not stop them for it is to such as these that the kingdom of God belongs. Truly, I tell you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will never enter it. Wisdom requires this childlike posture of trust in God and his supremacy 
But the problem is, there's nothing appealing about that. Right? That's not the sexy, seductive option. Right? The, the appealing, appetizing option is the wisdom of the world. It's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Right? There's nothing all that compelling universally about this option of simple childlike trust in God. Because we want to write the story for ourselves. We want to start with the human wisdom that puts us in control, that allows us to be like God. Right? And so we start with human wisdom and we attempt to write God out of the story. In fact, uh, theologian Rowan Williams talks about an essay that he read called You Chemical Scum, You. You Chemical Scum, You. And the title of the essay actually is riffing on Stephen Hawking, the famous scientist who wrote this kind of reductive account of humanity and the cosmos back in the 90s. Hawking wrote this. He said, the human race is just a chemical scum on an average-sized planet orbiting around a very average-sized star in the outer suburb of one of a million galaxies. Now, scientifically, there's a strain of truth to that, right? But also, Hawking has completely ignored the true breadth and depth of humankind and the universe, Right? He's, he's written God out of the story by starting with human wisdom. He's, he's glossed over the miracle of life. He's glossed over the, the mystery of human consciousness and our subjectivity and our diversity of different points of view. And that's an appealing place to be for some, right? To take something complex and beautiful and full of depth and to say, you know, that's actually just this. That's only this. Right? Be that's appealing because it puts us on the inside. Right? It's, it's appealing to be the chemical scum that knows your chemical scum. That's why we want to begin with human wisdom. Why we want to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil rather than entering the kingdom as faith-filled children and listening to the world according to God's perspective. And so that's why Proverbs tells us in one of my favorite little couple verses in the whole Bible, in verses five and six, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not rely on your own understanding. Acknowledge him in all your ways, and he will make your paths straight. Leaning on our own understanding, that's what leads to death. Right? And so Proverbs says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't rely or lean not on your own understanding, your own foundation, your own footing. Because that way lies madness. A couple of you have actually heard this story. I got permission to tell it anonymously. Uh, 
married couple was headed to celebrate their anniversary, going to watch a movie at the theater. They get to the theater, and it's pouring down rain. And so the husband, uh, he's like, I'll go in. I'll get the tickets. And he runs inside. He starts running that way, and he gets you know, from the parking lot to the sidewalk of the theater, and he steps up, and he hits a fresh patch of rain. And, whew, you know, does like a home alone slip like where your your body keeps moving forward but your legs move upward and so you're just like flat on your back slam and the wife actually has been watching the whole thing and watching it all play out and sees him fall and begins to laugh hysterically like laugh so hard you can't breathe laugh so hard that she feels guilty and doesn't tell the husband she saw it happen. Until years later, she finally feels the courage to admit and confess that, hey, I saw you fall and I laughed really hard. We can't lean on our own footing because we may even have a foundation, but we don't know all of the elements at play. We don't have the proper footing to stand on our own wisdom. And that's why Proverbs says, start with God. Start with trust in the Lord. And he will make your paths straight. Human wisdom, the folly of the garden, that's what leads to death. But divine wisdom, wisdom that looks like folly to the world, that's not necessarily appealing or appetizing. That's what God says leads to life. And so Solomon says in verses 7 and 8, Do not be wise in your own estimation. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. This will bring healing to your body and refreshment to your inner self. Literal Hebrew there is, Don't be wise in your own eyes. Don't be wise in your own estimation, your own eyes, because you don't have a leg to stand on. You don't have firm footing, a place from which to judge your own wisdom. A lot of us know folks that are wise in their own eyes. I think a lot of us know folks that are wise in their own eyes when we look in the mirror in the morning. Maybe I'm just speaking from my own pride, but I think generally we kind of default to, I know some stuff. You know, I, I got this kind of figured out. I'm pretty wise. Proverbs says, that's the beginning of folly. You see, wise in your own eyes becomes otherwise. Proverbs says that wise in your own eyes becomes Otherwise, because when you think you finally found wisdom, that is the moment that your search for folly has begun. When you think you've reached the end of your journey towards wisdom, that's the moment you've started journeying towards folly. Because as Ben preached last week, Proverbs 2, wisdom is to be called out after. It's to be sought like this treasure. Well, If you've found the treasure, the search is over. You're done. And Proverbs says that's when you've begun your journey towards folly and death. 
And so wise in your own eyes becomes otherwise. But there was another tree in the garden. We haven't mentioned this morning the tree that also stood in the middle of the garden. In Genesis 2, verse 9, it says that out of the ground the Lord God made to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life also in the midst of the garden. As Ben mentioned, Proverbs always talks about wisdom as a woman. It's always personified as lady wisdom. And later in chapter 3, Solomon is talking about this wise woman, lady wisdom. And he, he's describing her, and in verse 18, he says that she is like a tree of life. That those who grasp on to wisdom and everyone who takes hold of her will be blessed. We live in this world that has sprung from the Garden of Eden. A world where, according to Proverbs, every day we have this chance to make a choice between wisdom and folly, between life and between death, between the tree of life or the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And as much as we might want to choose the tree of life, Oftentimes, we choose the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Oftentimes, we repeat that decision of Adam and Eve. We choose to start with our own wisdom. We choose to find our own footing. We choose to customize wisdom according to the ways of the world. And we refuse to start with childlike trust in the God who created and sustains and loves and redeems us. And as much as we choose poorly, the good news is that Jesus Christ has chosen wisely. Jesus Christ has taken that posture of childlike trust in a father. Jesus Christ has lived that perfect, obedient life of wisdom, wisdom that looks like foolishness to the world, the cross that is the foolishness of the world. But God says to those who believe, it's the power of salvation. And so Jesus Christ, on the tree of the cross, Jesus finds the tree of life. On the tree of the cross, Jesus founds the tree of life, yet again, making a way for us. And now we're faced with that choice every day, but we know even when we choose poorly, even when we choose folly, Jesus has chosen for us. Jesus has chosen not the wisdom of the world, which is folly and death, but the wisdom of God, which looks like foolishness, but leads to life. Because Jesus made the choice that Adam could not make. Right? Paul talks about Jesus as this second Adam, this last Adam. And Paul says that as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. And so springs, we are called to 
to rid ourselves of any fruit that comes from starting with ourselves and to seek the fruit of the tree of life found in Jesus Christ, the wisdom of God. May we have the courage to assume that posture of humility and to begin by trusting in God, our Savior. Let's stand and praise him on behalf of the world.